Hi, I'm Pastor Dennis Hester, and I want to welcome you as you join First Baptist Watauga in listening to these messages. Whether you're listening uh, on an audio podcast or you're watching on our Facebook page or on YouTube, we're glad that you've joined us. Our heart and desire is that through these messages, you might continue to grow in your faith. We're a church that's committed to God's Word and uh, simply proclaiming the truth of what He says. And so as you join us, I hope that you grow and that you flourish in your faith. I'd also encourage you to make sure that you're plugged into a local body of believers. If you're here in Watauga, we'd love to meet you, that you could join in with us. If you're outside of Watauga, I'd encourage you to find that body of Christ that you can get plugged into. There's nothing that, that can substitute for that local uh, relationship as you join with others in worship of our holy God. So welcome. We're glad that you're here to listen and join in. If you would need prayer or you need to be encouraged in some other way, I encourage you to uh, just simply uh, email us, uh, contact us through Facebook, and we'd love to get back with you as soon as we could. God bless you as you listen to God's Word. You know, we're going to be looking at a unique uh, Advent series this year. We have a, it's a challenge for a pastor who has preached Christmas messages for 30 years to, to uh, seek the Lord and, and to seek to be fresh and, and approach things in a different way. This year, we're going to be looking at uh, four of the prophecies of Jesus from the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Christ's birth. And uh, the first one that we're going to be looking at has to do with what really is the great cosmic battle of all time. It began in the Garden of Eden. And we'll see, we're going to start with the first prophecy, I believe, that points to Jesus, comes out of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Now, to do that, we're going to, I'll preach a little bit differently. Instead of staying with one text, we're going to be looking at this text and examining it and then looking at how it's fulfilled uh, and expressed in the New Testament. So, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and the title of today's message is, An Enemy Defeated. So let's pray together and then we'll read the text. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that as we look at the most important, greatest battle of all time, we know that the victory is already assured. The victory was won when you sent your son to be born of a virgin, to walk on this earth sinlessly, and then to suffer and die and be raised to new life. In him, we find our victory over sin and death forever. Thank you, Lord. Let your word speak to our hearts today as we read and as we study. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Very simple text. In fact, when uh, I told, she asked me, well, what text are you working on? I said, Genesis 15. She said, what? <laughs> That doesn't, that's not the most familiar Christmas passage uh, when we think of Christmas text. Now, I'm gonna begin reading in verse 14, and we'll just read these two verses to get us started. Scripture says, this is right after Adam and Eve had sinned and, and the Lord had approached them in the garden. He had spoken to Adam and Eve, and he speaks to the serpent here. And he says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal you will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now this passage uh, speaks to a, 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 just a truism of life in some extent. 
I have met very few people that like snakes. People that are animal lovers will talk about how much they love to watch the beautiful deer or they love to watch the lion in the wild. But I have not met many people who say, I just love watching snakes. Now, I've met a few. I know a few that have them for pets. But it's not very widespread because there, there just seems to be this natural animosity between humans, the seed of Adam and Eve, and snakes. And this passage speaks to that to some extent, but even more so than that, this, is, this passage is speaking of a cosmic truth that the, the one who was represented in the serpent was Satan, the devil, the evil one. And he's the one who embodied the serpent and tricked Eve. And because of that, he, there's a hatred that's arisen there. There's a, there's a battle that's going on between the enemy and between mankind. And ultimately, that battle is going to be won by the seed of Adam and Eve. God is eventually going to raise up a man, a human, who is going to be able to defeat Satan. And this is accomplished and fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And we see that fleshed out in the New Testament. But let me present a couple truths just straight out of this text. First one is this, Satan himself is at war with mankind. We have an enemy who seeks to destroy us. There is a battle that is going on where Satan wants to destroy human beings. And it started from the very beginning. I believe it's rooted in the fact that, that his hatred toward God spurred him to seek to destroy those whom God loves the most, those whom God created in his image. Satan, who was already cast out of heaven, who was in, in, a, in a warfare, so to speak, in a position of hostility toward God, saw an opportunity to touch God where he hurt, would hurt him the most, and it, that is to hurt his kids. And if you're parents or grandparents, you can identify with that. It's one thing if you hurt me. It means something even more when you hurt my kids. Satan had already risen up against God in the heavenlies and been cast out of heaven. And so he, he thought he was gonna get the creator, God, where it would hurt him the most, and that was to hurt his kids. And Satan began a battle at that point. We'll flesh this out a little bit more as we walk through it, but just understand the very simple truth that Satan is at war with mankind. He's at war with mankind because he knows that that's how he can hurt them. He can't defeat the heavenly father. He thinks that he can hurt the father by, by destroying his most prized creation. And then Satan wants to de derail believers. And we see in 1 Peter chapter 5, the scripture teaches us that, that we have an enemy who seeks to devour us, who wants to destroy us. And our only hope is to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God so that he can protect us. And we see this expressed in another way in, in Ephesians chapter six. And I've actually included this passage up on the, the screen for you. Ephesians chapter six, verses 11 and 12. Our battle as human beings is not necessarily against other men, other people. Our battle is rooted in this cosmic war that's going on in the heavenly places that reaches all the way down to the earth through this, this war between Satan and mankind. Look at verse 11 of, of Ephesians chapter six. The scripture says, put on the full armor of God 
so that you can stand against what? The schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. There's a battle that is going on for your heart, for your mind, and for your soul. Satan is waging war to try to destroy those whom God loves. He does it through temptation, by tempting us with, with all types of sin. He, he tempts us with, with temptations for glory. He tempts us with temptations for power. He tempts us with temptations for material goods. He tempts us with, with pride and selfishness. Satan is continually at work seeking to destroy those whom God loves. And in fact, one of the things that we struggle with the most is we, we will project the battle against another person. One of the most valuable things that I've learned is even when I have an issue between me and another person, that person is not the enemy. We may feel like we're at war with another person, but the reality is if, if you are at war with another person, it's because Satan is using that other person to try to get to you. The battle is not against flesh and blood. Our ultimate battle is against principalities and powers and all kinds of evil in dark places. That's one of the ways, by understanding that, that we can learn to pray for our enemies, to pray for those who hate us or to pray for those whom we hate. Because if we understand that every single human being on this earth is a child of God, someone whom God loves. They may not be, all be born again believers, but they are every person is someone whom God loves. If we are at war with them, it's because Satan is either using us <laughs> or he's using them. And if we recognize that and understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but our battle is against Satan, the evil one, he is our great enemy. He is the one who wants to destroy your marriage. He's the one who wants to break down your relationship with your children. He's the one who wants to destroy God's church, God's people. There is an enemy who is out to destroy everything that God loves. And he began that work in the Garden of Eden. And you see that especially in the first half of that verse. You see God saying, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. We are at war. There is hostility between us and the evil one. It's been there for, from the beginning of time and it will be there until God ultimately throws the serpent in the lake of fire when he ultimately destroys Satan for the last one final time. But in this life that we live, we need to remember that we have an enemy. What tools is it that he may use to get to us? Every tool available to him. And we live in a time and in a culture where his, his toolkit is abundant. We live in a time where more people struggle with 
sexual sin and pornography than ever in the history of the world. Not that it hasn't been there, it's always been there. You can look back in the Old Testament and see people were being condemned because of sexual sin. We live in a time, I grew up in a time where, where if a boy wanted to go, you know, see a picture that he was tempted to, he'd have to sneak into the 7-Eleven and try to get behind the counter. Now it's piped into our homes on cable TV and on the internet, into our gaming systems. What I'm illustrating here for you is Satan has tools that are beyond anything that he's ever had in history. The information superhighway has provided a wonderful, incredible tool for those who, who want to walk with the Lord because information, you can study God's word at a depth that you could never study it before. There, you, you could listen to good, godly sermons every single day from sunup till sundown on the internet. And if you, if you need a little just good, clean entertainment, you can open up your laptop and watch fishing videos all day long. Right? So, so there, this, this information, we live in a time where, where the information superhighway has provided really good things that'll be brought right into your home, into your lap. But that is just a tool. That same tool can be used for all kinds of evil. And I assure you that we have an enemy that is at work seeking to use it to destroy you, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. Everything about life and about your, your, your world that God loves, Satan hates. And he has been at this war from before the beginning of human time, but we see it especially fleshed out here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This, this, the second half of that verse, though, provides us the prophecy. God gives a promise that he will strike your head. Now, that, that picture there, the word that's used in Hebrew there, uh, can be translated to bruise. It can be translated to crush. But when it's used in the Old Testament in connection with striking on the head, it is always indicative of a lethal blow. So the promise here is that at some point, God is going to send someone who is going to be from, from Eve's lineage, who's going to come out of Eve, he's going to send someone who is going to ultimately destroy and defeat Satan. He's going to win the battle. He's going to crush the head of Satan. And he's going he's gonna to win it once and for all. And so look at the New Testament here. The first point that I want you to see here is Jesus destroyed the power of death. Hebrews chapter 2. We worked through Hebrews earlier this year. And we're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 10 after we get past the first of the year. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says this. And he's speaking of Jesus here. And he's comparing the Son of God to the angels in Hebrews chapter 2. So you get to verse 14, and it says, Since the children have flesh and blood in common. When he says children, God's talking about the human race, his children, those who were created in his image. And Hebrews chapter 2 is comparing us to the spiritual beings, the angelic beings. So give you the context here. But since we, we the children, have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so Jesus was born of a virgin, born of Mary, fully human and shared in flesh and blood. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus, who had existed for all of eternity past, stepped out of heaven and stepped into this world that Christmas night in Bethlehem. 
and he became human. God man, God took on human flesh and he did it for this reason. Why is it that Jesus took on human flesh? Why was he born of a virgin? Why did he go to that extent? So that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death. That is the devil. Amen? Through, until that point, ultimately, Satan had brought the power of death into this world. He had brought death to God's kids, to God's children. But God promised all the way back in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, right after that event, he said, but there's coming a day he's gonna lose. There's coming a day that he's gonna be destroyed. There's coming a day that I'm gonna send a man who's gonna crush his head. And you see it here in Hebrews chapter two that the son of God was born flesh and blood so that through his death, he might, notice it doesn't just say destroy the power of death. Jesus destroys the power of death when he does this, but he does it by destroying the one who holds the power of death. He ultimately destroys the enemy. He, that he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. We have in the birth, death, crucifixion and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the promise of Genesis chapter three, verse 15, that he will destroy, he will crush the head of the serpent. Because when Jesus came back up out of the grave, Satan lost. The battle for, for mankind's eternity was settled when Jesus rose again. That's the good news. That's why Matthew started out with joy to the world, a Christmas song, but he's, we spent a lot of time singing about what Jesus did on the cross today because what Jesus did on the cross and what he did three days later when he rose up out of the grave fulfilled the promise that God made to Eve in the beginning. The prophecy is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He destroyed the power, any power that death has over us. Folks, th th that cannot be underestimated the importance of that. In our, in our growth group today, we, we were sharing some stories of, of pain, folks that, that we know that are hurting, some that may be near the end of life and, and they're struggling. Just this week, our, our good, good friend, uh, Brother Elias Valerio, who pastors the El Buen Samaritano, had, had a stroke early in the week and began to heal from it and he was doing okay and had a second stroke. And, and Brother Elias needs our prayer, Carmen needs our prayer, he's, he's not doing well. Carmen was in my office on Tuesday and, and as I shared with her, of course we, we prayed and, and we shared some tears together, but Char Carmen spent most of the time talking to me about how, how she knows Elias is okay. He served the Lord for decades. I know stories of him serving the Lord in the 1950s with an American missionary who I got to know in the 90s. Brother Elias has been a faithful servant of the Lord and, and, and he's one of those guys that, that we don't have to mourn his, his last breath on this earth because he's not gonna die. And the reason that we have that confidence is twofold. The reason is because we know Elias has put his faith in the Christ that died at Calvary and rose again the next day. And so the power of death was destroyed. Satan cannot win the battle for Brother Elias. 
He has, that battle has been settled already. And, and the Lord took the, the keys of death out of the hands of the devil when he came back up out of the grave. Satan no longer has authority. He can no longer destroy anyone. The only person that can choose now an eternal death as opposed to eternal life is you and I. If we choose to reject the gift of eternal life that is offered us through Jesus Christ, who holds the keys to eternal life, if we were choose to reject that life, then that's on us. Because Jesus has given us the opportunity. He's won the battle. It's as though the greatest lottery ticket to eternal life has ever you had in your hands and you decided, I don't want to use it. Jesus is offering every single one of us eternal life that he bought. We talk about how it's free. It's free to us, but it came at an incredible cost to the Son of God. Jesus destroyed the one who holds the keys to death, and through that, he destroyed the power that death holds over any of us. Second, I want you to see that Jesus destroyed the power of sin. First John chapter three, verse eight. The scripture says here, the one who, who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The son of God was revealed for this purpose, to do what? To destroy the devil's work. Why is it that Jesus came and walked on this earth? To destroy the enemy. Satan is out to destroy whom, those whom God loves. God has destroyed, God has taken away the power of death from Satan. God has also taken away the power that sin holds over his children. Jesus said in John chapter eight that you no longer have to be bound to sin. You're no longer chained to it because he has broken those chains. And, and, and there's far too many of us as Christians that, that we will put our faith and trust in God for our eternal life so that if I were to ask you, hey, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven? You go, well, yeah, pastor, I put my trust in Christ a long time ago. I know that if I were to die today that I'm going to heaven. Okay, what, I, I know that you're struggling with, with these various things in your life. Can you trust God with those things? Well, I, I don't know. I think I can. Yes, you can. You can trust God with your everyday life because Jesus has also broken the power that sin holds over God's children. You no longer have to sin. We, we were born with a sinful nature, but when we're born of God and we're made new, he gives us a clean heart. You know, I, I struggle with this idea. I, I used to hear people say things like this. Well, I'm only human. I can't do any better. I'm just a sinner. You know what? If you are a child of God, you are no longer a sinner. Your identity is not that of a sinner. Your identity is that of a child of God who's been saved by the grace of God. In fact, Paul, one of the greatest examples of this for me, Paul, when he wrote to the churches, he referred to them as saints, holy ones. They're set aside for God's purposes. Corinthians were a mess. The Corinthian church was, was filled with all kinds of sin, and yet he wrote to the saints at Corinth. Now, why would he call them saints if they still struggled with the sin? Because their identity was that of Christ. 
They had been born again. They'd been washed by the blood of Christ. They'd been set aside for a holy purpose. If we will grab a hold of our identity and understand that we're a child of God, we no longer have to sin. And we'll focus on what God has set before us. We'll walk away from sin. It'll, it should become, it's natural for those who don't know Christ to sin. When we see things every once in a while in this world, the world just seems to have gone crazy and people go, how in the world could a person do that? One of my responses is, how should I expect a lost person to act? I should expect a lost person to act lost because that's their nature. But Christians, if you're born again, if you have put your faith in Christ, you've been washed by his blood and scripture says that he's given you a new heart, you have a new nature. How should I expect Christians to act? I should expect them to act like Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that we're not gonna fall and we're not gonna trip and we're not gonna fail, but sin should no longer be our primary characteristic. It should not characterize our lifestyle. You should be expected to live a different life because the power of sin has no hold over you because Jesus settled that issue. He, he destroyed the one who introduced sin into this world. Back in Genesis chapter three, when Satan introduced it, God made a promise that he eventually was gonna destroy that serpent, and now that serpent has been destroyed. Sin no longer holds power over the children of God. You can choose to live a life of holiness. If you put your faith and trust in him, and one of the keys is learning every day just to focus on him. Because what happens is Satan's gonna still try to tempt you. He just can't get to you from the inside anymore. He's gonna whisper in your ear. He's gonna, he, he can't get to you from the, the level of your spirit. He's gonna seek to get to you from your mind. And he's gonna work through your eyes and your ears. He's gonna work through your mind to try to get to you. And you're gonna have to make a choice of faith. Are you gonna believe what God is telling you is best for your life? Or are you gonna believe what Satan is telling you is best for your life? God is gonna speak with a still small voice and when you read his word, he's gonna feed you his word and, and, and you're gonna grow in strength. But Satan is always gonna be whispering, hey, I've got something that's more tantalizing. I've got something for you that's more exciting. I've got something for you that's more fulfilling than what God's offering, just like he did Eve. Adam and Eve had it made. They had everything they needed and more than they needed, more than they could imagine. And yet Satan whispered in their ear, hey, I've got something that's more exciting than what God has for you. Satan's still doing that today to the children of God. He's whispering in your ear and he's telling you lies. He's telling you that what he has to offer you is gonna be better than what God has to offer you. And a lot of people, we all fall for it at some point. Some of us fall for it in big ways. Those are the big ways that you normally see when marriages fall apart and families are destroyed. Satan's telling you, hey, I've got something better for you out here. You choose this, you fall into his trap and you find out that what Satan had to offer was not better. In fact, what Satan has to offer always leads to pain and agony and ultimately a dying, a death that goes on because that's what he's the author of. Jesus has won the battle. We just simply have to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our focus on him. Finally, our final victory, our final victory is gonna be found in Jesus' defeat of the serpent. Read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15. And this kind of sums up kind of what I'm talking about and puts a little emphasis on it. The scripture says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
verse 51. Listen, Paul says, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must put on or be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Through Jesus, sin and death were defeated. Through Jesus, when he shed his blood and he rose up out of the grave, the victory was won. The war began in the Garden of Eden. The war was settled on Calvary. Jesus defeated Satan once and for all. When he took on human flesh and, and his veins pulsed with human blood, even though he still was 100% God. And Jesus, when he died, voluntarily gave up his life for you and I and shed his blood for us and died on that cross and rose again, he won the battle and guaranteed the victory. Now, we live in a strange time, and the Apostle Paul's writing to the Corinthians that were in a strange time because he was writing to a people that were winners already. But they hadn't reached the final destination. They were in that in-between time. There, there's a celebration, but there's a, still a anxiety going on. We, Satan's still trying to destroy us even though he knows that we're not his. He just wants to hurt us. So Paul, as he's writing to them, saying, you know what? There's even a better day coming because there's gonna be a day when it's put on display in a way that everybody will see it and there won't be any question. There's coming a day when Jesus is gonna return from the heavens. And when he does that on that day, there's gonna be those of us who are still alive and then there's gonna be those who have already been gone down into the grave. And, and no matter whether you've, you've died or whether you're still alive, you're gonna receive a new body. And that new body that's gonna be resurrected and joined together with Christ in the heavenlies is gonna put a final nail in that serpent's coffin. On that day, everyone will know that death has been swallowed up in victory. We know it now by faith. The, 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 the victory was settled when Jesus came up out of the grave. And we're gonna see the final expression of it one of these days when Jesus returns. So you know what Christmas is all about? It's not about the fight on Black Friday, right? It's not even about the sweet, you know, little baby in the manger with the kids dressed as angels with wings singing around it. Those, the cute little manger scenes. That, you know, my wife loves to watch those on the Hallmark Channel. Uh, it's, in fact... Yeah, that brings up a point. It's not a, Christmas is not just about uh, the couple that have gone separate ways kissing in the snow when it starts to fall. It, you always know when the Hallmark Channel is coming to an end. It's when it starts snowing right before they kiss. Or maybe they kiss and then it starts snowing. Always. It, 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 I don't know how many times I've walked in on the end of a Hallmark movie and seen that. Those are a lot of feel-good things that come along with the Christmas season. But you know what Christmas is all about? 
Christmas is all about the fact that God stepped out of heaven and took on human flesh so that he could destroy the one who wants to destroy you and wants to destroy me. And in that, that lifetime, that 30-year period, from the time he first put on human flesh until he, that flesh rose up out of the grave after it had been nailed to the cross and beaten to a pulp, in that life, Jesus destroyed the power of Satan. He destroyed Satan's ability to kill us, to, 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 to take our lives for eternity. He destroyed Satan's opportunity to steal our joy and our peace and our contentment that only comes in walking with Christ because he destroyed the power that sin holds over us to separate us from God. That battle has already been won. You don't have to fight the battle. What you have to do and what I have to do is to put our lives in the hands of the one who's already won. Put our lives in the hands of Jesus. So if you have never put your faith in Christ in a very real way, you, you've surrendered your heart to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna plead with you to do that today because if not, if you haven't done that and you have not been made new, you have not been born again, you still are in a very real way under the authority and the power of Satan. And his desire is to kill you. In fact, Scripture says that unless you choose to receive that gift of eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ, you will die in eternity with the one who has a hold of you, with Satan. If you will simply put your faith and trust in Jesus and choose to follow him and accept that gift of eternal life, the battle's already been won for your soul. Eternity is set before you, and you'll live in eternity with the Lord. So if you have never settled that issue, if you have never made that decision to follow Christ as your one and only hope, your one and only Savior, I plead with you to do that today. Come talk to me about it. Come talk to Kevin about it. Oftentimes, especially for adults, you understand what you need to do. It's just a... It's just taking that first step. It's just to step out in front of other people and say, I wanna follow Jesus. If you've never done that, I'm gonna plead with you to do it in just a moment when Matthew's gonna come and begin to lead us in worship. But there's some of us that you're battling, every day you're battling against sin. And instead of simply surrendering your life to Christ, getting rooted in his word and seeking to follow him, you're, you're fighting the sin. I'm gonna plead with you the battle for, uh, over sin has already been won. You just need to surrender to Christ. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. When you're focusing on Jesus and walking toward him, you will walk away from sin. It'll become natural. When you're fighting that battle, it's just like, I've used this illustration before, if I was to tell you don't think of a pink elephant, 
first thing that's gonna come to your head is a pink elephant. When we're focused on our sin and trying to fight against the sin, we'll lose that battle. But if we'll turn toward Christ, surrender to him, and seek to follow him daily, we'll walk away from sin and leave it in, in, behind us. So I plead with you, recognize that the battle's already been won. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't, there, sin holds no power over you. It doesn't matter what sin it is. You can call it a habit. You can call it an addiction. It holds no authority and no power over you. You may have to go to, 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 to links to, to help, get, get help. Find people to help guard your path. Find brothers and sisters that you can confess your sin to so that you can be held accountable. But whatever you have to do, it, that sin holds no, no authority over you. You can walk away from it if you'll focus your attention on Jesus. If that's where you are, I plead with you to, to, to deal with that. Trust the Lord with it and deal with it today because God fulfilled his promise from Genesis 3.15 when he sent his son to be born of a virgin, to die on a cross, and to be resurrected. He fulfilled that prophecy through Jesus. Would you stand with me as Matthew comes? Let me lead us in prayer as he comes. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that one of the very first promises that we see from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, was that you would send someone to destroy the serpent, the one who introduced death and sin into this world. And you did that when you sent Jesus. Thank you for that fulfilled promise in Jesus. We have hope for eternity because of that gift. Lord, I pray now that if there's anyone here that is unsure, even if they're just not sure, if they were to die today, that they'd go to heaven. They've never put their full faith and trust in Jesus. I pray that today would be the day. Give them the power, the strength to step out into the aisle and to walk down and talk to Kevin or I. Father, if there's someone who's struggling with sin and they're fighting that battle and they feel like they're all alone, I pray that they'd hear the message today that the battle's won, that you'll walk them through it if they'll just surrender. Lord, you move during this time of response. We pray in Jesus' name.